Have you, have you seen um, that James Bond where Sean Connery kind of dresses up like a Japanese man? You look like you've got his costume on. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was going to say you look like a, a Weatherspoon chef. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I haven't got anything Aussie, sorry, I can't join in. (laughs) No worries. (laughs) Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Dave. And I'm Austin. And Joel may be around somewhere, like a force ghost hovering in the background somewhere. But this week, we continue our guilty pleasure season as each one of the Films on Trial gang pick a film that they love that perhaps others definitely do not. And then we're going to put it on trial. This week, it's the turn of Alex, who has chosen the best film about firefighters in Chicago. It's Backdraft. (laughs) Does it flame to please... Or is it Ben Voyage? Hey, <laughs> I like it. I like it a good. lot. Yeah, 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 thanks, guys. Thanks. I've tried really hard this week. Essentially, it will shows. This... <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, will this film be placed on our esteemed hit list or our steaming shit list? Either way, it's going to be a very heated debate. Hey. <laughs> Hopefully not too heated though, because with all of Dave's seventies records, his house might end up like a disco inferno. Hey, that's the last one now. Well, for a you while. Sure. Anyway. I... <laughs> uh, no, there's going to be more. I'm sorry. There's going to be way more. <laughs> that's pretty much all I've done this week. Is just think of fire puns. <laughs> uh, but before we go on to the trial, let's talk about our last trial, which was the 2005 space opera Revenge of the Sith. I judged that trial and deemed that the film should be placed on the hit list. I've since gone away and I've watched the film. So did I make the right call? Yes or no? Well, as you all may know, I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan. And as I said in the recording, I'd watched the second one quite a lot because I worked at the cinema when it came out. And I was like, can't be arsed watching the third one. If, if, if it's as good or as bad as the first and the second one, there's no way I'm watching that. And I didn't up until this week just gone. And you know what? I thought it was pretty, pretty good. I thought it was pretty good. Revenge <laughs> of know. the Sith. But yeah, I, I thought it was one of the better films for me. Uh, you know, maybe it's because I had recently watched Phantom Menace and I'd attempted to rewatch Attack of the Clones again. So in comparison to those two, it's probably like The Godfather. <laughs> but <laughs> I did actually like it. I mean, obviously there are still some issues which the prosecution did highlight throughout. You know, it's criminal how little Natalie Portman has to do in that film. And you can tell she is just a bit unenthused. Her performance is a little bit like, why am I here sort of thing. And it is, it's a little bit deplorable that it's 2005. And I can't think of any other female character that has even one line apart from Natalie Portman's character. And correct me if I'm mistaken, but maybe there is. And I just missed it. Baby Leia cries a bit. <laughs> but like yeah some of the acting is a bit shoddy especially from Hayden Christensen but you know that may be something to do with the script so I want to give him the benefit of the doubt and there was a bit much CGI going on there was a bit much so, CGI going on 
Uh, the final battle on that, what's it called, M- Mufasa? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mufasa. It's it's a bit ridiculous at some points. I mean, it's just like it just keeps on going and going and going. There's one point where Anakin and Obi Wan halfway through this intense battle they're drifting down this river of lava and then just two alien blokes pass them on this little dinghy <laughs> and they're just like what the fuck are they doing what are you doing i know like i want to see the story from their perspective <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah but that's that's just george lucas being george lucas there's so, quite a lot of like unnecessarily unnecessary biffy characters made out of CGI that just crop up every now and again that don't add anything to the plot. Okay, Gav, so specifically, what did you enjoy about the experience of watching Revenge of the Sith? Because, like, I can't... Like, go on, what, what was good about it? Well, I, I thought that it was very well-paced, to be honest. I, th- I think the other two films dragged so much. Like, this was really compact. It was engaging. The story was really well done, I thought. It felt like, it felt like the whole trilogy could have just been this one film. And, and and I would have been fine with that, to be honest. The action was really entertaining as well. The CGI was actually really good, and it holds up today in comparison to Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. This was amazing. A few, just a few of the scenes were a little bit hokey, but especially the you know the Yoda doing backflips and stuff. But most of it was was pretty decent. And the best part of it for me was the fantastic John Williams score, which was just absolutely incredible. I could just not watch that film again, just listen to the soundtrack over and over again. It was brilliant. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I mean, I know it picked out a lot of shit at the beginning, but overall, I thought it was pretty good, and I, I you know I'm quite happy with my decision to be honest. I think that's a fair assessment. You also don't have to lie because Joe left ages ago. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to hear what you actually thought. <laughs> well, it still, for me, doesn't beat the best Star Wars film, which is The Last Jedi. Uh, and I can say that now that Joel isn't on the call. He'll come back in a second, just you wait. <laughs> so, as mentioned before, this week's film is Alex's guilty pleasure. And he has picked the 1991 action drama Backdraft. Alex, why have you decided to pick this film? Uh, well, you know, guilty pleasure. And I think that sort of fits Backdraft for me quite well. I've always really enjoyed it. I watched it from a very young age, probably when it first came out in 91, to be honest. And just always watched it with family. It was kind of a familiar favourite. You know, we... Yeah, and, and, you know, it wasn't just like spot on. We absolutely love this. We think it's the best film ever. You know, there are things to talk about. So I think it'd be good to put on put on trial. But mm-hmm. I do love this film. It's It's something that you can just unapologetically say i enjoy this film quite a lot so i'd be uh be look good to put it under scrutiny and see what see what everyone's got to say about it okay thank you very much alex now onto the trial itself all of the roles have been picked out of the hat at random with the exception of alex of course who will be defending this film and all of today's insults are songs about fires so don't hate the player hate the flame uh, just, I, I, off the top of my head that one brilliant I'm on a roll so acting as defense and trying to get this film placed on the hit list is Alex and Alex is just like the song Through the Fire by Chaka Khan I know you're afraid of what you feel you still need time to heal and I can help if you'll only let me try you touched me and something in me knew what I could have with you now I'm not ready to kiss that dream goodbye when it's this sweet there's no saying no. I need you so. I'm ready to go. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, come on, Shaka Khan, Alex. I'll say no. <laughs> How can you say no to that, man? No. Heartless. 
And joining Alex in defense will be me. And I'm just like Ring of Fire by Johnny Cash. I have a burning ring. <laughs> Short but sweet. My God. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, 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 He's not sorry. I haven't we'll gone do it low again. Brow. He's not sorry, He's not sorry at all. <laughs> I haven't gone low brow this entire episode, so you've got to let me have at least one. And acting as prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the shit list is Dave. And Dave is just like, set fire to the rain by Adele. My hands, they're strong, but my knees were far too weak to stand in your arms without falling to your feet. <laughs> Oh. And you can read between those lines all you want. <laughs> and... <laughs> Joining Dave, maybe later on, we'll have to see how bedtime goes. <laughs> he has a child for anyone who needs context at this point. <laughs> He's getting put into his, uh, into his pyjamas. <laughs> Joel, guys. Brushing his teeth. <laughs> Uh, so Joel is just like the song I'm on Fire by Bruce Springsteen. At night, he wakes up with the sheets soaking wet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I love that song. Now, just like real court advocates, the defense and prosecution will be making the best case for their roles. These may or may not be their real opinions, though. So do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear what they really think. And in the role of judge, who has to decide which list this film should be placed on, hit or shit, based solely on the arguments put to him, is Ozzy. And Ozzy is just like the song Play With Fire by the Rolling Stones. Well, you've got your diamonds and you've got your pretty clothes and the chauffeur drives your car and you let everybody know, but don't play with me because you're playing with fire. That felt like a threat. Yeah. It was. It was. 100%. Don't mistake yeah. it. Now, before we get started, I think that we should probably give the audience a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is all about. So let us spin the wheel of impressions, even though it's going to land on Alex because it's his film, but I'm going to spin it anyway. <laughs> You look at that, it's landed on uh, a question mark. So, <laughs> anyway, we know it's going to be Alex. But the real question is what, what we do here is we ask, um, is we have to read out the synopsis in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film. How would we like Alex to read this out? It's a tricky one. It is it a tricky is. one, isn't it? Yes, um, it is. As much as I love Kurt Russell, his voice isn't that. Distinctive, no, distinctive. Really, is it? How dare you? It's not though. That's not a. That's not no, a bad it's, thing. It's it like, is. Paul Rubens had a distinctive voice cap. <laughs> right, okay, so what about, about just like a? They're from Chicago, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. just like Chicago. A, like what? a Chicago pizza man. I think. I think I'm thinking Boston though. Like, like a deep dish. What about just the, we got De Niro? Why, yeah, why De, Niro. De Niro. Or what about uh, Donald Sutherland? His character in it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> a Donald Sutherland impression. Jesus Christ. How Not neat. just any Donald Sutherland, but a creepy arsonist Donald Sutherland impression. <laughs> Two Chicago firefighter brothers who don't get along have to work together while a dangerous arsonist is on the loose. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> like he's really, really excited about that fire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That fire. <laughs> 
I'm sorry. I just I went with instinct and it didn't work. But, but that that is my best Donald Sutherland impression that I have, that I can do today. To be honest, man, I think it's the best Donald Sutherland impression out of all of us. So thank well you. done. Yeah, well thank done. you. It's definitely Absolutely. the best one I've heard today. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thanks, mate. <laughs> Likewise. Oh. Okay, so Ozzy, you're the judge. Would you like to please yeah. keep up proceedings? Okay, well, I mean, Dave, you've probably got the toughest job of all here. One, because you're on your <laughs> yeah. own. No, no. Or also because I do remember watching, knowing that I watched this film as a child. Mm-hmm. I'm positive I don't remember most of it because just the description alone has changed what I thought it was about. I'm sure as a kid, I thought it was about a smart fire that was chasing people down. I, and actually, yeah, it's yeah. about you somebody having, else. You might be having a Gattaca moment. You might be thinking of <laughs> so, Is it a good film? What you remember? You might be thinking about the fire that could feel. Yeah. I, I, I think Ozzy's just remembering a bad wiring job he did. <laughs> so I anyway. after him. <laughs> Maybe Alex, as it's your film, you could do the sort of slightly longer summary of what goes on. Sure. Yes, I'll I'll get you back up to speed. Hopefully, it'll uh, it won't remind you of a film, and you'll think this is worse than the film that you remember. <laughs> Been there before, haven't I? So yeah, hopefully, hopefully that won't happen. Start digging. Maybe you'll hit gold. Maybe you'll be trapped in a hole. We'll <laughs> uh, okay. So uh, yeah, backdraft, uh, nineteen ninety one, directed by Ron Howard. Basically, the main stars of it are the McCaffrey brothers. Uh, you've got the older brother, Stephen, played by Kurt Russell, who's like a veteran firefighter. And you've got the younger Brian, who's William Baldwin, who's like a, a rookie. Brian, when they were children, witnessed the death of his firefighter father when he was young. And the, the boys were raised in part by an older firefighter called Axe, played by Scott Glenn. We sort of skipped to when they're older adults and we sort of see them now. Brian's never stuck at anything. He's had lots of different jobs. He's sort of fallen through them but he's become a rookie firefighter ready to start his proper training. Steven's a veteran firefighter, but his recklessness and dangerous destroyed his marriage. He's now living on a boat and Steven swings it. So Brian is now living in his, uh, in his firehouse. So these two estranged brothers, you know, in a firefighter family split apart by the death of the father brought back together, massive tension there. And a large part of the film is their sort of relationship building and, you know, the, the arguments they have, how they, tried to come together again as 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 brothers we see a lot of action sequences obviously this main thing is that you know if this is a firefighter film i would say probably the definitive firefighter film i don't really you know much like ron howard did for you know like the moon landings with apollo 13 you know you, you think of firefighting and backdraft's got to be easily in the top three films made we see brian making mistakes as a rookie but we also see Stephen becoming more reckless and becoming he's starting to become questioned by his own squad but also what starts to come on is like the main subplot that's happening as well, which is we've got an arsonist who's on the loose. So he's creating these fires. This is probably where you come in remembering about this thinking fire. A backdraft is like this thing that people can create where it doesn't seem like the rooms, there's any fire in the room, but actually if you open the door, the oxygen comes running in and there's a huge blast. So an arsonist is using this knowledge of fires to create fires that are killing people throughout the city, these specific people throughout the city. Brian and Steven combust, actually no pun intended there, their relationship goes up in flames. <laughs> and uh, Brian joins a fire investigator, Robert De Niro, who's looking into who this arsonist is. They've, you know, they, Donald Sutherland comes into it. I mean, this cast is pretty, we'll go into that later. The cast is so solid. Donald Sutherland comes into it and a bit of cat and mouse, they're trying to chase down this arsonist. Um, 
it comes up is Stephen the arsonist and at the end we have this quite climactic scene but it's this huge fire these different plots come in you know you've got this uh, corrupt official played by JT Walsh who's cutting funding you've got the love interest you've got the relationship between Stephen and Brian you've got who's the arsonist and this all comes together at the end and you have this big action sequence where everything's revealed and great ending I won't, I won't there's no need to spoil this film maybe I sort of do need to you know there's the relationship with the brother comes to an end Stephen you know Kurt Russell dies at the end and sort of at the end of the film is left with uh, Brian assuming the mantle of the film i know gav it probably wasn't an easy watch for you at that point but yeah anyway um yeah it's just a fantastic film this was a guilty pleasure so by its nature it's it's a little bit flawed i'm gonna say it this film is slightly preposterous in certain ways you know what i mean and i and i would say this is what we enjoyed about it this is why my family have often talked about this film this is why we share these quotes with each other around the dinner table you know it, it, it's a highly quotable film or at least it is in my family there is this kind <laughs> of ridiculous masculinity that runs a little bit through it a high lot lo lo of testosterone but watching it back it's not overpowering it's not like toxic it's not hateful or anything like that it's just a it's just a little silly when you look back on it all of this macho stuff going on similar to armageddon that sort of level of men being men and all of that there's this great thing where the fire, a fire is a main part, is a, is a character in the film. And it's talked about like it's this sort of animal, like it is this thinking beast. And it's silly, but it's quite fun as well. And, you know, the, the, the way it's done, I, I really enjoy it. It's a little overblown. And the overblown arguments that they have between them. These are all things that are a little daft about the film. But then, you know, it's not trying to be an extremely serious take on firefighting. It's meant to be a family action film. And these things are a little larger than life. But it's also a fantastic film. It's di directed by Ron Howard. It's got a fantastic cast, uh, an amazing score, Hans Zimmer. And I would say that this is this is the definitive film about firefighting. Firefighters loved it when it came out. It had many firefighters were in the film, researched. Uh, William Baldwin and Kurt Russell actually spent time in a firehouse for a month preparing for this role. It's got a huge amount of respect for what is like a very important profession you know it, it, it is a profession that we should you know deserves gratitude and respect from people and i think this film more than amply provides that i think it is the the, the definitive firefighting film and it's also just a hell of a fun watch for everyone else okay the the definitive firefighting film dave um it's quotable it's frightening it's got drama it's got suspense it's preposterous it's uh you know, it was brought to us by Ron Howard, the man who brought maybe my favorite of the Star Wars films, Solo. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that is Ron Howard, yeah. <laughs> it, sound, it sounds pretty good. It's given me fond, fond memories. Could have been what got me into firefighting in the first place. <laughs> yeah, you were a firefighter as well for a bit. I think we oh, all were after watching <laughs> <laughs> um, No, seriously, I, I, I think it, it sounds like it's got all uh, the makings of a, of a very enjoyable watch but the look on your face tells me otherwise please please take that look from <laughs> off your face and uh, and tell me what the words are that, that are behind it yeah i, I it, i've got fond memories of bad draft as well you know i was quite disappointed to to have to prosecute this one but then i sat down and watched it with with a critical head on my shoulders and yeah i realized this isn't the film that i remember this isn't the film that i thought it was going to be and yeah it just doesn't stack up 
there's just very little substance going on in this film. I think what everyone remembers is the fire effects. That's what sticks in your mind. You remember these decent looking action sequences. You you watched Eli. I remember that episode. I know you like a fire. A lot of people <laughs> like fire. <laughs> and you know what? This fire looks good. I know they refer to it as, like Alex said, like some sort of sentient beast, which is it is preposterous. But it kind of the way that Ron Howard films it, it is quite good looking. You know, these action sequences look quite good. The fire looks good. That's where the praise for the film ends, though, I'm afraid. Everything else is a little thin on the ground. The arson mystery that Alex was talking about there is is weak, and it is instantly predictable. You know that bit? Is it Stephen? No. I worked out about 10 minutes in. It's Scott Glenn. It's Axe. You know, that, <laughs> the, Steve, the Stephen Herring was redder than Liverpool's home kit, if you catch my drift. It was clearly going to be Scott Glenn from the word go. It is instantly predictable. And it falls short of the mark on its other plots as well when it comes to, you know, getting into the mindset of a firefighter, you know, the, the psychology of, of a smoke eater. It falls short on that front as well. It doesn't go into enough depth there. The Bickering Brothers storyline uh, is never really thoroughly explained why they've got such beef with each other. I know it's to do with, you know, the death of their father, but it's never really covered in any great depth. And it's a bit of a cop-out conclusion as well, you know, like a deathbed reconciliation. And you know, how can something so melodramatic be so vapid at the same time? The writing is on a par with an episode of EastEnders or Days of Our Lives for the American listeners. It's soap opera stuff, and it makes very little sense. And that opening scene, I mean, you know, I know um, you've got the kid witnessing the death of his father. His father played by Kurt Russell as well. They just slapped a mustache on him. It's just Kurt Russell in a <laughs> they mustache. Didn't slap it. They placed it carefully on his face. I don't know that, that they was, did. It looks a little That experience. was grown <laughs> by Kurt Russell himself. <laughs> Kurt Russell two hours have before slapped on him, Dave. Kurt Russell <laughs> births mustaches. He'd slap he it, it on himself at least. Yeah. He did it in two hours. Basically, the guy who played their dad couldn't didn't show up and he was like, I'll do it. And he just like <laughs> and his mustache shut out. But um, no, it's ridiculous. It's like, you know, you're looking at that, they just take you out of the moment. Like, is that is Kurt Russell playing their dad as well as playing being the star of the film, right? Okay. This kind of ridiculous moment. And that opening scene is so melodramatic. It's just like the slow motion fire effects, the kid screaming, dad, why is the kid so close to a bloody fire in the first place? The explosion goes off and his dad's charred helmet lands at his feet and he picks it up and looks up at the sky and a photographer gets like two inches from his face, snapping his grief. And then you get a photograph that is actually must have been taken from the burning building because it's just kind of, they just froze the camera shot. Uh, it's not the photographer at all that took that, but it's never made sense to me. It's so melodramatic. It's I, so I, melodramatic. I, I reckon you actually were four years old, Dave, and you were thinking, you know what I mean? And you were like, hang on a minute. Um, <laughs> that yeah. shot doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? <laughs> but daddy, he would have had to be in a bit. <laughs> exactly. And that opening scene is laughable. Preposterous sure but also quite laughable when you look back at it you know the ridiculous masculinity pales in comparison to some moments like that and you know you say kurt russell and stephen baldwin spent a month in a fire station doing push-ups maybe they look pretty hench but that's about all they must have done because the the actual accuracy you (laughs) accuracy of the firefighting in this is seriously lacking chicago fire is a much better example of actual firefighting you got kurt russell running into a blazing room one the the protocol is completely off they don't vent a room before breaking down the door and running into it kurt russell runs into it No, no one wears a mask 
at any point. He runs in, his jacket open, billowing in the wind, in the slow motion, axe in one hand, his helmet flies off because it's not attached properly. It's just like, seriously? He'd be killed in seconds. And there's no yeah, smoke. If he was wearing a mask, Dave, we wouldn't see it was Kurt Russell. Why exactly, would you put the a problem, mask on a face that handsome? That's precisely what Ron Howard was thinking. And you know what? I don't dispute Ron Howard's thinking, but it doesn't make for a very accurate depiction of firefighting. And, you know, the um, yeah, they say the, the costume being on, the helmet coming off, the coat being open, the not being a mask is one thing, not venting a room. The fact there's no smoke. In none of these fires, there's any smoke. You know, it, it, people say, oh, it captures the terror of being caught in a fire. Not really. Visibility is actually pretty good in this film. I mean, for good reason, because Ron Howard wants you to see the action and see what's going on. But there's no smoke. There's no smoke at any point. It's all just the flames are around you. And so it doesn't capture the terror of being trapped in a building at all. And, you know, it's, it's trying to be a serious, well, Alex said, it's not trying to be a serious film. I'm worried that it is. You know, at the end of the film, you've got this tribute to the active firefighters of America and this like loving uh, homage, this tribute, basically. The whole film is a tribute to American firefighters and, you know, deservedly so. These guys are heroes. Let's make no beef about that. You know, what they do is fantastic. You know, the film does kind of make them out to be like local celebrities in some way, which they're not, but they are probably more deserving of being celebrities than some of the, uh, the rock stars, sports stars and actors out there. But, um, in trying to do this homage and trying to pay tribute to American firefighters, they've taken on quite a serious subject. And then to not even show how their job is performed accurately, to not even give us a believable plot or even one that really interests you for long enough or one that keeps you engaged or one that makes sense or that isn't predictable, is a bit of a letdown. Ultimately, I think this film has some decent fire scenes, practical effects and stunt work, and, you know, well shot by Ron Howard as well. But... That's about all the film has, I'm afraid. There you go. It's it's well shot. I saw uh, your your hand went up round about the smoke comment, Alex. Uh, no smoke, but plenty of fire. <laughs> that, I mean, I would I would disagree. There's no smoke. There's there's obviously some smoke in it. But Dave, you know, Dave said it himself. You can't have smoke in the film because then you wouldn't be able to see the film. You know, this is trying to be a fun action film that we can see it isn't trying and at no point is it trying to be a serious look at the struggles of firefighters going into buildings you know this is trying to be a fun entertaining watch it's not trying to capture the seriousness of fire but what it is trying to do is to show the bravery of firefighters which i think it does and i think you can know the bravery of firefighters without having to see incredibly gruesome scenes with actual fires you know a lot of the effects are done upside down you know so fire looks like it's crawling along the floor of course crap fire doesn't you know the, the film's not trying to do that thing where it's trying to say yeah fire actually goes along the floor it's an entertaining look at fire but just because it's not completely accurate and like not showing all the smoke where we wouldn't be able to see the action doesn't mean it's not a tribute i would dispute that Okay, dispute to the tribute, and, and uh, Gav, Gav, I saw your hand go up as well. Yeah, so I, I agree with Dave, to be honest. Thank I think you, Gav. Some... Um... <laughs> okay, cheers. <laughs> Who's got the quiz? <laughs> Christ, all that work, you just tanked it, Gav. Nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, 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 what I will say is that, is, uh, and I'll agree with Alex as well, is that it is more about and entertaining you than it is about accuracy and i was reading well i watched quite a lot of like behind the scenes stuff and i read a lot of like reports about it and it was an interview with a, a, um, 
a fire drill sergeant, so somebody who helps basically firefighters in preparation, in training. And he says that he doesn't want to see backdraft anywhere like when people are training to be firefighters because it is it's it's just not accurate however he says that it it was probably the best depiction of firefighting in movies that he's ever seen and a lot of that is because the writer gregory wyden was a firefighter at one point in his life you know he had a lot of respect for firefighters and chicago firefighters in general The production team worked extensively with local firefighters, brought them in as safety consultants uh, to give advice and guidance on the film. And they used real, albeit discontinued, fire stations, engines and equipment. And when the filming was finished, they ended up fixing up a lot of this stuff and then donating it back to Chicago fire stations, which were then used for a number of years afterwards. The firefighters could tell this was a very respectful and loving film. As Alex said, it was more about celebrating the heroism of firefighters. So when they were asked to take part in, spoiler, a firefighter's funeral in the final scene, 9,000 real firefighters turned up to take part in that. And that whole scene, that funeral procession, it's like a genuine firefighter's funeral procession. It's a really beautiful and moving part of the film, actually. And um, to this day, Ron Howard says that whenever he walks past a fire station or when he's out and about, he'll get thank yous from firefighters. Uh, you know, people offer to buy him coffee or drinks and even firefighters come up to him to tell him the backdraft was the reason that they became a firefighter in the first place. You know, this is a very, very respectful depiction of firefighting. And yet some of the, the depictions of actual fires in it aren't very accurate. And that's mainly because you're trying to film this and trying to make it look exciting whilst not masking the whole cast so you can't really see what's going on. I will massively disagree with what Dave said about Kurt Russell not putting in a shift because he fucking did. Right? <laughs> two, two shifts, it sounds like. He did. Yeah, he did. Do you know how hard it was for me to watch Kurt Russell die twice in one film? Very <laughs> devastating. But Kurt Russell worked as a firefighter for, for two months, as did... Billy Baldwin and Scott Glenn also did a lot of work himself as well. And does that count as working? If you go turn up to a job for two, is that more like a holiday? Well, it's more like work experience. So okay. yeah, it's it, it's not like I mean he they didn't he teach him fan. how to put a helmet on properly or you know button up a coat. <laughs> <laughs> but man, can but he slide up and down a pole? But man, he can he can carry a hose. <laughs> no, but a, a lot of that is 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 filming techniques. There, you know, like that that that's a choice made by Ron Howard. But the thing is, is that like these three actors, they did a lot of their own stunts themselves. So to then have that like taken away by the fact you can't see what the fuck's going on because there's so much smoke. It would be it, it wouldn't be very good, and uh, and yeah, I think that's that's all I wanted to, to say. To be honest, Dave, and in short, backdraft is great, but throughout this trial, we'll show you how there is so much more to offer. Oh, oh, oh. oh I hope you've got some uh, flaming puns uh, to, <laughs> to to come back with, um, Dave. There's there's some good stuff on both sides there. I think it was a. Uh, if there's anything you want to come back on, feel free. Or if you want to, yeah, I got, I got some skating burns more than put downs. Hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The respect for firefighters, absolutely, that comes through instantly from the script. Like I say, it is, it is very much a tribute to America's firefighters, uh, shown through the eyes of Chicago's firefighters, and it's a deserving tribute. It is, but it, and it's a celebration of firefighters. But it's also 
uh, been called a bit of a propaganda piece and a bit of a recruitment ad. I'm not surprised so many people signed up, but it doesn't mean it's an accurate portrayal of the job. You know, after Jaws came out, loads of people said they wanted to be marine biologists. Doesn't mean you're going to be chasing killer sharks off the coast of America. Yeah, loads of people did. Oh Peter Benchley used to get yeah loads of letters from kids saying, "Oh man, sharks are amazing. I want to I want to be a marine biologist." And he's like. I feel they missed the point. But it's it's nice they want to go study a science, I guess. But it's uh but no, it's it's a yeah, a bit of a recruitment ad. It gets a bit jingoistic, is just what I want to say about this. You know, they got the it's got layers of cheese like the Baywatch opening credits. You know, you got slow motion firefighters running you through burning buildings, jackets billowing, you know, they wash their faces in slow motion by a fire hydrant and whisk their hair back like a L'Oreal advert, you know. It layers on the cheese all while you got a, a Bruce Hornsby in the range soundtrack, you know, singing Americana tunes that wouldn't be out of place at the Bellagio Fountain show. It's, <laughs> it's cheese with, with a capital C, you know, like I say, Baywatch credits, think that level. Uh, the Hans Zimmer scores are just on music. The Hans Zimmer score was mentioned. Um, it's not Zimmer's most memorable score, to be honest with you, but it is a Hans Zimmer score. That's like saying, oh, that's not Mo Salah's most memorable goal. You know, it's, uh, it's still going to be a good one, though. But it's, uh, the music is fine. It's just not Zimmer's most memorable work. Um, but yeah, I think that that's the... I hope Hans Zimmer's listening to this and he's just like, oh, I'll put, no, I'm really proud of that one. Put a lot of effort into that draft, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I, I hope they... he's just unwinding before one of his live shows and <laughs> on stage and was like, are we opening with backdraft hands? No. No, no. no we're not opening with backdraft hands. <laughs> I, I think the, the, the score is pretty rousing, to be honest. I mean, what more did you want from it? It's It's... it's it's a film about firefighting and mm-hmm. the heroics of firefighters. And it's a very rousing, patriotic sounding. Very score. patriotic. It's that, yeah. that jingoism element. Like I say, you know, it's, we're, we're a heartbeat away from that. The, uh, the American flag in Spider-Man, I feel. Yeah, but it's, it's the same with, uh, with Independence Day. You, you want something that, that sinks. Yeah, but the film was well. called Independence Day. You know, it's about as on the nose <laughs> as it's going to get. This is, this is supposed to be a tribute to firefighters. It doesn't need to be eyes in America. Let's just celebrate the firefighters. It, in America, it's often both, though, isn't it? Especially early it, 90s in instance, America. Yeah, and, it, you know, it's often public, mixed. Public servants as exactly. well. You know, firefighters you know I mean? are public servants. Yeah, and, so... You know, um, some of the hardest working and lowest paid public servants yeah. in America as well. No, they deserve this tribute. There is no doubt about that. Firefighters are heroes. And it's nice someone's made a film about them. I just wish they'd made a better film. Maybe one that, like I say, depicted their job with a bit more accuracy. Or even if you're not going to do that, have something more engaging going on. Like I say, this arsonist plot, just back to the script and whatever, is weak. And it's predictable and it's it's phony. There's no there's no sense of realism to it at all. This isn't something that firefighters would have to deal with at all. You know, this is I know they look into the causes of a fire and arson, but you don't often come across a serial killer that turns out to be one of your own. You know, that's it it gets a little unbelievable. And there's that cheese, you know, sliding down the fireman's pole going all over the firehouse it's uh (laughs) i know for a fact dave loves cheese he has evenings at his house where he invites i'm lactose intolerant now i'll have you know (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah as that's come through Sorry, yeah, Dave. yeah, the, the results came through. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. Speaking okay. of lactose I, I now intolerance. Know why you've been talking about cheese. <laughs> I just, I just miss cheese. So much. <laughs> it's a real sore point. And speaking of uh, people with uh, with, with uh, food intolerances, Gav, you had your hand up uh, <laughs> briefly. There. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know what Dave wants here, man. It's like you sort of say that. <laughs> it's a bit roulette, I suppose, and he'll be happy. <laughs> but it's, it's, I mean, but you can, 
are you going to criticise? Um, I watched Under Siege the other day, and that didn't really give me a clear depiction of what it's like to work <laughs> as a chef. No, <laughs> the, the catering court of the, of the US Navy is going to be a real letdown, dear. All you've got is Under Siege. <laughs> like, like, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but the, the thing, as I mentioned before, the, the writer, Gregory, Gregory Wyden, worked as a firefighter in his youth and the idea of this script came to him when he attended a fire and he had seen that the force of the blaze had thrown somebody across a massive distance and through a car windshield which is a scene that makes it into this film he had seen the devastating effects of a backdraft and he ultimately wanted to make a film about firefighters the heroism and the dangers that a lot of them face i know that you know this is a bit of an overblown thing a, a, a serial killer arsonist who turns out to be one of the firefighters it turns out to be one of the main characters yeah i mean of course that's gonna happen it's a fucking film you know did you want more scenes of them up trees retrieving cats or you know washing <laughs> no, you people's would cars love, you would love scenes of them rescuing cats <laughs> Kurt Russell holder in a, holding a cat <laughs> but you know doesn't I, get I, any better than that but maybe a they, few more scenes like that and a few a few fewer scenes like you know tim and Billy Baldwin chatting in the shower where Tim's just like, oh, we saved a life today. I love it here. I love being a firefighter. Being a firefighter's butt is like, you're going to get burned. Tim, <laughs> your days are numbered. And it is instantly, instantly and I- predictable. And sure enough, Tim gets life-changing injuries after he's incinerated because Kurt Russell clearly didn't listen to his two months training and led him into a burning building the wrong no, way. I mean, I don't think he was like improvising at that point. I think that's in. <laughs> oh, we'll never know. Tim. <laughs> you seen Tim in any consense? The way that Dave's talking here, the way he's picking apart these, these picking apart these plot points. It's like you watch a Die Hard and Ellis walks in cocky and confident with a fucking can of Coke to go and having a conversation with Hans Gruber. You're like, well, this isn't going to end out well, is it? Why did this guy? who eats multi-million dollar deals for breakfast, think that he can negotiate with terrorists. You know, David, it's a film, man, you know, like, and, and one of the things I liked about it is that there was quite a lot going on. You know, you've got all these different stories running adjacently. You've got the story, the heroic firefighters combating fires across Chicago, perhaps set by an arsonist. You have the investigation into these fires by the arson investigator. There's how these fires affect the political campaign of a Chicago city alderman especially considering he's responsible for a number of the budget cuts to the fire departments. And then there's the central story of the two brothers who lost their father at a young age, took different journeys to become firefighters because of the effects and the impact of their father's death and their relationships as well, their relationships with each other, with firefighting and with the women they love. And I think it sounds like it's quite a lot to pack into a 137-minute movie. But with maybe the exception of the brothers' relationships with their partners, I think that that Ron Howard and the rest of the production team spent the right amount of time on each one of these subplots. They were really well developed and executed, in my opinion. And the film was well paced as well. There wasn't a, a, a there wasn't a point to this film where I was like, "Fucking hell, boy!" Or they're going into too much information. Or there wasn't a bit at the end where I was like, "I wish they would have gone into a bit more detail about uh, Robert De Niro's backstory." I wanted to know how he got the scars on his back, sort of thing. I think they touched upon everything for the exact right amount that it needed within this film. So in conclusion, Backdraft's story is lit. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't hey, think hey. of anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let you have that one. Good Even one. though you fluffed it, it was still a good one. Well done. <laughs> uh, cool. D- Dave, I mean, you, you touched on the multiple uh, stories before. I don't want to delve too much on it, but maybe just just to reiterate, you know, Gav's saying that actually is well-developed and... Uh, you know, and, and well-paced, don't we, 
we talked about the pace and it does sound like a lot to pack in. I think you hinted that not too much was, was covered in enough, but um, you know, where, where does it really fall down on, on those levels? Surely some of it's captured enough. Not really, to be honest. There is too much going on. I'd rather they would have picked a film. You know, they could have split it into two. You know, it's not like we've got four films running concurrently here, but they could easily have split this into two and maybe talked about the relationships between the firefighting brothers and their partners. That could have been one film. And then you got the arsonist plot. That's a completely different film. There's two very different things going on here. And because you switch between the two, it does kind of take you out of the moment. And I think this does lag. I think there's a moment about halfway through the film, you know, a lot long after we started working Robert, with Robert De Niro, where the film does start to, the, the cool, the, the cold start to cool down, so to speak. And it starts going a bit flat. Uh, it, and with regards to the jumping between storylines and plot points, it's not Pulp Fiction. It's not Crash. It's not meant to be one of these epic pieces where these stories interweave and, and collide. It's, it, it wasn't meant to be that convoluted, but it worked out being so. And it, because of that, you can't focus on any one point. They all end up falling a bit short of the mark. The relationships with the uh, the partners, like Gab said, in particular, is is a weak point. Uh, I feel it's it's particularly bad because you feel like the uh, the actresses in that one, Rebecca De Mornay and Jessica, uh, Jennifer Jason Leigh, have been um, done dirty by this film to be honest with you they're very talented actors and deserve much better but i feel that one really sticks out the story with axe like i say it's just predictable you know instantly within five minutes of the film starting you know who the arsonist is it is instantly predictable the bits with robert de niro are quite good you know those bits de niro i don't know when it was that de niro seemed to like stop trying but it was clearly after backdraft because he yeah, puts in a shift he does he puts he? in a shift he's, he seems genuinely impassioned when he's talking about the fire as being a beast you know yeah though you know and when he's chatting with donald sutherland about oh did the fire look at you and that sort of thing yeah it, it seems like he's he's learned his lines for this one he's not just reading it off an auto cue so fair play to robert de niro but there's there's real flaws yeah. and i feel that there are two distinct films going on here and they've tried to have their cake and eat, eat it and merge these two films together and it's too much it doesn't work yeah. Okay. Thank you. And then uh, I'm going to throw it over to Alex. Maybe you've got a little comeback there. And uh, Dave has a couple of times mentioned uh, a few of the casting characters, you know, we touched on there that some people are, you know, underused, but, um, you know, and Kurt, Kurt Russell potentially overused getting two characters. So if you could okay. do a little comeback and then, um, and then, and then let me know. This film is over, you know, two hours. So I think, you know, when you're condensing it, when we're talking about it in a short space of time, yeah, it sounds convoluted, but over two hours, that's more than enough time. This is not a, an overly convoluted plot. If we're, if we're guessing who the, the killer is, then it can't be that complicated. Also, I would say that if you were just going to do a straight up action firefighter film, I don't think there's enough there to, to sort of just, if you're just watching people go into burning buildings, I think they needed like a, a sort of a, a mystery plot to tie things together and to sort of keep the audience guessing. I, I think it's a necessary part of the story. I don't think it would work without it. You'd have, the main thing is, you know, you've got the relationship between the two brothers. I think that's really interestingly done. It's not trying to be like some sort of serious art house, look at family tragedy and loss and stuff like that. But it, for, for, for what it is, which is a 1991 action film, it's an interesting look at two brothers and how they can go apart and how they can be brought together and, you know, the service that they do and, and why and why firefighters do it the cast is really really strong in this you've got uh kurt russell who puts all of this effort into this he is really fantastic in this and this is what i'm saying about like you know i'm talking about it being preposterous 
I mean that in a kind of like a good way. Like Kurt Russell is kind of just a bit larger than life in this film. And he sort of take, grabs the scene. And it's really, really fun watching him. Every scene he's in, you just, you're just really watching him because he's just, when he's in the buildings, what, you know, when he's having the arguments, he's just larger than life. William Baldwin, I think, does a fantastic job as the sort of the younger rookie sort of coming up with his own ideas, coming to terms with past trauma. Robert De Niro's in this film and like Dave said he's really good you know it's it's a bit odd to see Robert De Niro in kind of a you know a smaller role at this point but it's he's fantastic in it he's really really good and I think he drives that subplot you know the fact that Dave's saying it's a bit of a weaker subplot I think the fact that you've got such a strong actor in there you, you're with it straight away you know you, you can flip from investigating this arsonist these fires that they're looking at and you flip straight into this next subplot because Robert De Niro is the one taking you by the hand absolutely brilliant jt walsh is in it and he's just a fantastic villain you know he's just an excellent shitbag jt walsh in in all of the Mm -hmm. films he's in he's really really good in this you know you sort of he's just a perfect bureaucrat and hateful in it really really amazing you've also got donald sutherland who's you know he's not in it for very much you know i think he only gets about six minutes of screen time but amazing in, in when he's in it you know when he comes back in at certain points when he's needed plays the sort of the sick arsonist extremely well so you know the cast is fantastic in this the characters are just enjoyable do you know what i mean i think it isn't trying to be deep looks into these different you know in the relationships between people i think the the fact that the love interests are minor i think maybe if you brought it up too much i i think that might have taken over a little bit too much you know so i i, I don't think having a stronger love story would have helped the film. You know, I think you've, you've got the firefighters, you've got the fires themselves, which is the main bit, the action, you know, which is extremely well done. Uh, you've got the relationship between the brothers and then you've got this nice little subplot of mystery that's keeping you going along and that's all great. And then you've got the little love interests. They're not weak storylines. They're just sub, 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 sub plots. Do you know what I mean? And like every film has these sub, sub, sub plots. It, they're, they're very standard parts of a narrative. It's just you can't have every element being main otherwise you know that just it just doesn't work it's it's very nicely structured there's a nice clear hierarchy in the film you're not overtaxed with anything and you're enjoying yourself this is the main thing i'm saying that the silliness about it isn't too far and i think we can say with ron howard and the the film career he's had he's playing into these things he's got kurt russell having a ball just having a brilliant time you know in chewing up the scenery at certain times but not going too far and and the film itself is just, yeah, just an enjoyable watch. It's uh, I'm trying to think of a firefighting pun to end this, but I haven't got one, so uh, I'll let I'll let Gav do that later. You'll let Gav sizzle. Oh shit! Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, <laughs> out of the frying pan or something. Like that. I'll, I'll work on it. <laughs> uh, Dave, I think you I mean you touched on some of these characters before, but some of the ones that, that stand out there, I guess, is and they kind of feed back into um, cheese, I think, in some ways, but. Well, I don't. No, I will. I will. <laughs> um, we we talked about Kurt Russell. I think that's that's fine. We covered. We you can we covered that. We covered um, sort of William Bald Baldwin. So you know, one one's bombastic. One's quite believable as the younger brother, De Niro. I think you. I don't, I don't feel unfortunately William Baldwin then. Have we not? Okay. Well, we can we can bring that <laughs> not back. That's in, your conclusion now. Uh, <laughs> I didn't catch enough about who's actually the villain here. Buyer is your villain. <laughs> <laughs> the defense is arguing that, you know, it's a bit of a mystery. You said it's not, not a mystery at all. You know who's the baddie immediately. Yeah. From both of the arguments, I'm not entirely sure who's the baddie. Sorry, can someone just 
Fill me it, in. It's Who's fire. The fire, fire is the bad guy. Fire. Scott Glenn is the mystery <laughs> arsonist at the end. And yeah. JT Walsh is just sort of a running shit. He runs from yeah. the way for it. Yeah. Okay. Which is, which is pretty much what JT Walsh did in every film in the 90s. You know? And yeah. Alex is right. He's very good at it. He's very good at just being a contemptible shitbag. That's, that was pretty, he was pretty much a professional arsehole throughout the 90s. <laughs> he is very good at it, I will admit. You know, I, I miss JT Walsh. I wish he was still here being a professional shitbag. Um, but yeah, William Baldwin is out of his depth. Like really out of his depth. God bless him. He tr- he tries. You can tell he's trying. But yeah, this this material being a leading man, I think, was a little a little beyond him on this one. Um, the script isn't good enough. You know, maybe maybe give him a really good script and maybe he'd be able to pull something out. But he's just not got the acting chops to turn something out of nothing on this one. Uh, Kurt Russell's a little more experienced. He does get something out of this, but for the, a lot of the film, he's just really angry, and he just like he, he punches. Billy Baldwin for criticizing him. He punches the guy who's dancing with his ex-wife. He's, he's just, it's that, it's that toxic masculinity thing. I mean, the film is not toxically masculine. Like Alex said, it's masculine, but not necessarily, but there are like flashes of that toxic masculinity, you know, throwing a punch rather than talking through your differences, maybe being one of them. Um, and I think, yeah, De Niro is not bad. I, I did concede that point. He's, he's pretty watchable in this. Like I said, I don't know when he stopped caring. It was after bad draft, though. He's still on good form here. Donald Sutherland is great. It's a very small role as this like deranged arsonist who basically only comes in because De Niro wants to go to his parole hearing and take a massive shit on it and just ruin this guy's chances of being released. Uh, but Donald Sutherland's performance is creepy. Even though it's short and brief, it's very memorable. Uh, Scott Glenn is just really going through the motions here. And it, I feel like Scott Glenn is criminally underused. I love Scott Glenn. Alex knows I love Scott Glenn. Gav knows I love Scott Glenn. You probably know I love Scott Glenn. But this is, he could have done with a much bigger role here. He is ultimately the the human villain of the piece, I suppose. He is the arsonist. And pretty much from the get-go, you know, it's, it's like, oh, it's either going to be Kurt Russell or it's going to be Scott Glenn. They're both really angry about all these cuts to the firehouses and firemen that are losing their jobs and losing their lives because they didn't have a backup crew to help them on the on the last job and that sort of thing. So it's going to be one of them. And then about five minutes in, it's like, oh, it's, it's Scott Glenn, isn't it? Because he seems the most affable and like the most the, the most, most in control of his anger, unlike Kurt Russell, who's a bit of a red herring. Oh, but it could be Kurt Russell. No, it's, it's Scott Glenn, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's. I'm pretty confident it's Scott Glenn, and sure enough, it is Scott Glenn. Uh, and like I say, Rebecca De Mornay, Jennifer Jason Lee, they're given the kind of like the love interest roles of the two brothers, and that is pretty much all the characterization they get. They are yeah. the love interests of them, and it's it's disappointing because they're both phenomenally good actors. And again, like like Scott Glenn was underused, they're underused as well. But it's uh, it's not that their performances are bad per se. It is just that they are given very little to work with here. It's credit to them both that they actually managed to get something out of this script, but the characterization is just so thin on the ground. There's just nothing going on for either of them. Um, all in all, I think this has a great cast. I think there are some phenomenal actors here, and I think had they hired a crew of lesser actors, we would have an even worse film on our hands, but the script lets its cast down. The fact that they are such good actors means they get something out of it, but there could have been so much more here had uh, another script script writer come in and maybe tweak the lines a bit, maybe thought a bit more about character development. Something was lacking uh, on that front, but I don't really blame the actors for it. Okay, and then Gav, I saw your hand come up, so maybe you can do a little comeback and then, mm-hmm. I don't know, mate, and we've touched on music, we've touched on the plot, we've touched on the characters. Uh, maybe you can give us a little run through. I think we hinted at action. It is an action film after all. Yeah. Maybe you can do a little rundown of that and then... Uh, see how I feel. 
Yeah, I mean, Dave's criticisms, fair enough. You, you might have some issues with the story or the script. I, I don't see it the same way, but I can completely understand what Dave's saying. But what you can't disagree with and whatever criticisms you might have about the story, you cannot fault the action here. And ultimately, this is an action film. And the scenes involving fires and firefighting are absolutely amazing. Ron Howard and the production team believed that in 1991, CGI was good enough to be used for the majority of the fires within this film. But just before they were due to start, they got the test footage back of the fires that they commissioned, and it was really, really bad. So six weeks to go before they started filming, they went back to the drawing board and instead decided to use real fire. They brought in George Lucas's Industrial Light and Magic to help create the scenes to ensure that not only were they realistic, but they were also safe. They decided to film on location in Chicago and scouted out some old or abandoned properties to film in and did extensive work to prepare them for the film. Everything was coated in fire retardant paints to slow down burning and all of the fires were rigged to a system which would just shut off at a valve to ensure that the fires were controlled and that also multiple takes could happen. Like they are filmed so realistically, so beautifully. Alex mentioned before about flipping the camera to make it look like the fire was crawling along the floor. But the way that, the, that these, these shots are filmed, as an audience, you feel overwhelmed at some points, like you're actually in the heart of the fire at times. So I watched the behind-the-scenes documentary I mentioned before, and the reason that you feel part of the action is because the cinematographer, Mikhail Salomon, was, at many times, stood in the heart of the fire. This guy wore a flame-repellent suit and and uh, protective equipment over the camera. And he was literally in the middle of the fucking fire as it was happening. A number of the cast and the firefighters in the cast are former or current firefighters. And those who weren't went through extensive training. We mentioned before, Kate Russell was a firefighter for a couple of months. Uh, Billy Baldwin, Scott Glenn, also really committed to these, work, uh, these roles as well. They worked really hard in training beforehand and were so heavily involved on set as well, completing a lot of their own stunts. So much so that the production team insisted on giving them an additional credit as stunt performers in the movies because they did so much of their own work. These scenes are absolutely amazing and they still, to this day, stand out as probably the best depiction of firefighting in a film of all time. And this film is, was made 1991, over 30 years ago. That is a testament to how good this film is. And just one final point, mention about the, the action, also the characters. Dave, I know he might have been joking before when he mentioned before about the villain being the fire, but that is actually the, the case here. Like the writer, Gregory Wyden, and the production team wrote it like it was a living, breathing thing, like an animal that expresses anger and frustration and almost stalks its prayer points. Essentially, they wanted the fire to be like the shark from Jaws. And I think that this personification of the fire, the way that it was written, the way it was filmed, and the way the characters and the actors treat it and react to it really adds to the action and suspense. And it just really, really makes this film an incredible watch. In conclusion, uh, I don't know. Um, uh, the the action, the Bring action, it home. The action is so fire, so good. <laughs> oh, mm, um, I'm not feeling that as the last flourish, but I like that you brought okay. it up on the spot. Uh, well done. Well, it's okay. About, at the end of this, you won't be left with any burning questions. 
Mm. <laughs> okay, that's that's another good one off the top of your head, so I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm going to let you have a comeback on there, Dave, but that does sound pretty... I mean, there was a few things which stand out for me. I mean, that doesn't sound massively safe to have the cinematographer in the fire. <laughs> no matter how, how much someone says, oh, well, we can just turn it off. I don't think someone standing in the fire <laughs> at any point is safe, but... That, that's that's by the by. <laughs> um, uh, and this so, is why you'll never be a smoke eater, Ozzy. You've not, <laughs> not got the balls for the job. <laughs> uh, um, to be honest with you, I can't disagree with much of what Gav says. The action sequences are fantastic. Uh, you only get three, so maybe you would have liked more more action sequences, but that's about the only critique I can give the action. Ron Howard shot it well. The fire effects look fantastic. You know, the use of the stunt work, having some of the actors do their own stunts as well, and the practical fire effects, that is what, you know, that, that that's the film's saving grace. That's the best thing about this film. Those sequences are very good. You know, so good that Universal Studios made, made the backdraft experience in L.A. I actually went, when I was in L.A., I got to see that. It sadly closed down now, but it was great. And they just basically put you in a room that they're just genuinely <laughs> around you. Yeah, you feel like that cinematographer, I think. It just it combusts around you. There's, there's gas canisters blowing up. The, the, the gangway that you're on kind of drops about a foot. And it's just like, yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. It was, it was hot. You know, I thought LA, the LA sun was hot. Wait till you go inside there. But yeah, the, the reason why they made the bad draft experience is because people were enamored with these action sequences. They wanted to see them again. And when people talk about bad draft and they say, oh, I really like bad draft, they're thinking of these action sequences, these three action sequences that go on for maybe a combined 15 minutes of a two hour film. Like I say, that's all the film's got. These action sequences are very good, no doubt, but a film it does not make. Go on, Alex. You can have a final, final comeback. Final comeback. Don't think it's quite fifteen minutes. I, I think it might be a little longer than that. There's also just sort of incidental action. You know, I'm not saying like high octane action, but there's bits where they're like running up and down and carrying hoses, and you know, just the the sort of uh, the, the the everyday sort of like you know, buy a house. <laughs> there's nothing housery. I like more than watching people just go about <laughs> their daily job. You will. You will. There's the sort of just you know the day to day roughhousery of it, and you know, and then there's the the investigation of the fires. You know, this isn't like action sequences, as in like you know, big you know, you know, heart pumping stuff. But it's still interesting to watch. So you know, I don't think Dave's quite characterised that fair. So the action's good, but there's not a lot of it. There's enough. Gav's right. It's just a really well well paced film. And, you know, I'll just come back to the, to, to the main thing I keep saying, which is it's a lovely tribute to firefighters. It is, I still say, the definitive firefighting film. And it's also an enjoyable watch. You know, it's also got these plots. You know, it's, it's, it's a whole buffet of different things that you would enjoy having. And just great performances. You know, you think about this and we always think of these quotes. And the main thing I always come back to is just how good Kurt Russell is in this film. You know, when... I know Gav's a big Kurt Russell fan, but whenever I think of him, I always think of Backdraft. For me, this is the Kurt Russell film. And uh, he loved it. He took it and he made it a really, 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 really fun watch. So, yeah, a guilty pleasure, but more of a pleasure than a guilt. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, I think a quiz it is. Who has the quiz? Because I hope it isn't me. <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> that would be me. We'd... We would have like tagged you in something in the WhatsApp group and drawn it to your attention. <laughs> otherwise. No, that is me. I thought with, this is the the seminal firefighter film, isn't it? So I thought I have to do a quiz about firefighters in film. Uh, so his 10 questions. I have no name for this, but uh, 
In the Academy Award nominated Towering Inferno, who plays Fire Chief Michael O'Halloran? Is it A, Paul Newman, B, Steve McQueen, or C, Robert Vaughn? Uh, Alex. Say again. Uh, What's this? Is the... It's A, Paul Newman, B, Steve McQueen, no, sorry, or what... C, Robert Vaughn. Uh, who's the Fire one? Chief? Michael O'Halloran. I think it's Paul Newman. I'm going to go with my first. Yeah, everyone can have a guess. Anyone else? Oh, C. Uh, Robert Vaughn? No, it's it's Steve McQueen. It is Steve McQueen. That's a yes. point for Gav. They're all in it. Robert Vaughn is a senator yeah. attending a party at the top of the tower. Paul Newman I is the Robert architect. Vaughn was in it. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a smaller role, but, but uh, yeah, he's there. He's there. I think everyone's in there somewhere, aren't they? Everyone's in there somewhere. Yeah, it's it's a great film. Watch Tyrant. Maybe that's the seminal firefighting film. Maybe I'll take that back. <laughs> Too late now. Strike Too that. late now. Strike Too late that. Now. <laughs> Question number two: uh, 1968's Hellfighters stars John Wayne as a firefighter who specializes in battling what kind of fire? Is it A. Subterranean fires, B. Oil well fires, or C. Wildfires? Um. Wildfires? No. That's a C for, that's Gav for really? C, wildfires? Subterranean, to be different. Subterranean? No, I'm going to, just so that, just in case I get a point, I'm going to go with uh, A. Subterranean fires as well. Oh, what was B, sorry? Oil well. Oh, an oil well, without doubt. Yeah, that's a point for Austin. It is oil ah, well fires. Well done, Aussie. Being contrary worked in your favour, isn't it? <laughs> The 2004 action drama about firefighters starring Joaquin Phoenix and John Travolta is called what? Is it A, Ladder 43, B, Ladder 45, or C, Ladder 49? Um, yeah. Ladder 49. Yeah, I think Ladder 49 as well. I'm going to try 45 just in case. <laughs> That's a point for Alex and Gav, I'm afraid. Yeah. It is a Ladder 49. It was a good effort, though. I admire your determination. <laughs> Although you'll be in trouble now, this one's not multiple choice. The um, whole film, which... basically, obviously, is, is them having to fight a fire, but all of it's the enough. ladders that they choose aren't long enough until they get to, <laughs> <laughs> they get to that 49th one. Uh, <laughs> I, I would love to see that film, to be honest with you. Especially if they got Joaquin Phoenix and John Travolta back, then sold. Um no question number four. Which dystopian novel was adapted recently starring Michael B. Jordan as a fireman who burns books rather than extinguishing ah. fires? Alex. Fahrenheit 451. Ray Bradbury. a point to Alex. It is Fahrenheit 451. Question number five. Uh, after his family is killed by a terrorist act, a firefighter goes in search of the one responsible. Is the IMDb summary for which 2002 film? Bam. Uh, is it... Is it collateral damage? You know full well it's collateral damage. <laughs> Sorry, I lost on Gav. Good one. <laughs> I was like, if Gav doesn't get that, I'm going to really question his status <laughs> as the podcast number one Arnie fan. <laughs> question number six. Alex and Manu are the names of the two ill-fated firefighters in which 2007 horror film? Um, Gav. Wreck. It is Wreck. Well done, uh, Gav. Well done. Uh, question number seven. In 1992's Trespass, Bill Paxton and William Sadler play firefighters who are drawn into a battle with a street gang after witnessing a murder. Name either of the two rappers who star as the leaders of the gang. Um, oh, it's one of them, Ice-T. One of them is Ice-T. That's a point for Gav. There's another point for Gav, if anyone can name the other one. No, LL Cool J. It's not LL Cool J. No, sorry. I know that no. William Sadler's the other guy in it, isn't he? But yeah, Bill Paxton, sadly, yeah. Um, I, uh, ice Cube? It is Ice Cube. Is it the two Ices? 
<laughs> the two ices. Well done. Really, well done. really bringing down the, uh, the heat there, aren't they? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, we need, we need two people to start opposite two firefighters. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, they double book them. I got iced tea. Oh, shit. I got ice cube. Oh, which is the good one? <laughs> which is the good one? Which is the one I really want? <laughs> oh, let's just book both. No, no, we'll be we'll safe. Put, put them both in. Put me. Put them both in. Uh, question number eight. In, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Which comic actor stars as the duo's captain? Oh, bam. Oh, ah, actually, I don't know. Vince Vaughn? Oh, not Vince Vaughn. Um, Jim Bing Carrey. James was, was in it, but I don't know if he was the captain. No, and not Jim Carrey either. Anyone? Uh, no stranger to being in a fire station. Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd. That's yeah. a point. Oh, well, 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 well done. done. Well done. Thanks. Question number nine. Which star of Reservoir Dogs spent four years serving as a firefighter before taking up acting? Is it A, Harvey Keitel, B, Steve Buscemi, C, Michael Madsen? Mm. I can see any of them as a firefighter, to be honest. I'm going to say Buscemi. Michael Madsen for me. I'll say the other one, Keitel. Keitel. That's a point for Aussie. It is Steve Buscemi. Shit. Yeah, spent four years uh, in the Little Italy Fire Department. Wow. Which is why he still uh, fundraises for firefighters and recently got arrested uh, on a picket line supporting the firefighters union. Good for you, oh, Steve. Fair play, Steve Buscemi. Uh, question number 10. Given that the Paw Patrol, the mighty movie, is released this October, what is the name of the firefighting Dalmatian? I don't want to know this. <laughs> Ch- Ch- charcoal? It's not charcoal. <laughs> uh, Sparky? I kind of wish... It's not Sparky. I do wish I do wish Joel had been on this one. He might have known because he has a child. Crispy. <laughs> Crispy. No. Just let's just come up with better names that, that could have been the name of the Okay, if I was to say it's a it's a title, fire what? Complete that. Fire dog? Pole. No. Pop. No, not Paul. His name's not Paul, is it? <laughs> Paul. Paul. Paul, Paul the dog. Not Paul Paul the dog. <laughs> if you were um, if you were in a building, if you were in a Engine. building. And you were given the job of like overseeing a fire evacuation if you had to? Chief. Exit. Fire exit. You would be the fire what? Man. Marshall. Marshall. That's a point for yeah. Aussie. The little Dalmatian is called Marshall. Oh, well done. Well done, guys. <laughs> uh, and that leaves Alex and Austin with three points each. Well done, guys. But the out and out winner is Gav with a solid six points. You know yeah. your fireman, Gav. Well done, guys. Well done. Well done. And thank you for that. Uh, very entertaining quiz. Oh, uh, thanks, Dave. <laughs> and I think that's really, I mean, ultimately that seems to be what the it comes down to is that everyone agrees that the film isn't, you know, isn't perfect. It's got plenty of things wrong with it, but what is it trying to be? And, um, and it, it does fill me with, uh, you know, it sounds like it, there's a lot going on. It's suspenseful. It's preposterous. There's a bit of a mystery. There's a, you know, a murder mystery almost, but the the thing that comes back is that there is a bit of nostalgia here. I feel a little bit vindicated that actually the fire was treated like an animal, so I was right to be scared of the fire. Um, you know, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the boys, the two two v one. So I think you were a little bit hard pressed uh, to go on this. There was a lot of passionate uh, fighting, and not that I disagree with any of what you said, and I think most people actually were quite uh quite in agreement with each other about so many things just said it in different tones of voices so often happens on this uh podcast <laughs> but um i think i think it probably is entertaining i might find it a bit dated but 
there's nothing, you know, the, the, there's one thing which would have swung it for you is if they did use CGI fire. And the fact that they use real fire, I think, is really putting this on the, uh, on the hit list for me. So we will find out tonight when I make KT watch Backdraft. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks, Ozzy. Genuine opinions then. Oh, Alex, was it as good as you remembered? Yeah, I like backdraft. Uh, I could have sort of taken either side, to be honest. Um, you know, I like backdraft. <laughs> I like backdraft because it is sort of silly, and you know, I found it quite hard just to straight up defend it because when I'm talking about backdraft, I like to talk about all the stuff that's kind of like shit about it as well. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. No. Well, you know, they they are funny. Uh, I think the only thing that does get a bit wearing for me is the ridiculous amount of maturism that goes on in the film, and uh, um, me and Gav were messaging during this and and and, it, and I sort of thought it as well it's like there aren't any good female characters and, and again I don't mean this from a sense of like there's a moral obligation to have good female characters I just think if there was some stronger you know like Dave was saying about the really good actresses they had if they'd been stronger then that might have counterbalanced that almost absurd masculinity and it would have made for a better film I think so just better characters uh, just just you know it's just a bit of a sausage fest really at a certain point and you just yeah. like that that a barbecue ruins. if you will a barbecue <laughs> <laughs> a barbecue but much like um it made me it made me remember lord of the rings when you just like god almighty this is suffering because of the lack of just just a woman just put a woman in the film you know and it, it it really does so i think if it had i think if it was made now that would have been sorted mm -hmm. but it's 1991 it's in firefighters so you know I, I don't think you know i think it's accurate to say that you know probably at the time you know that the, the, there wasn't a lot of female firefighters at the time but i still think you can watch it you can remember it's 1991 it's over, over 30 years you know over 30 years old and i just think you just it's a fun watch i, th I do think you'll enjoy it aussie tonight <laughs> thanks alex i yeah a similar opinion to alex to be honest I don't think it's the best film, but I do really like it, obviously, because Kate Russell is just so handsome in it, to be honest. And I, I do actually I quite like all of the over-the-top macho bullshit stuff. It's almost like what you might get from watching Fast and the Furious these days, you know, this utterly over-the-top ridiculousness in, in some of the situations. But, like, fantastic cast, but as Alex said, Jesus, like, like the female characters are just really they're just almost non-existent and you're not telling me that they couldn't have had just one female firefighter i don't believe that there wasn't one female firefighter in chicago working at that time that could have been like mm, come on guys i think i think that's it, possible actually to be honest i think you reckon, in the early 90s i think it's yeah i think it's but possible. i it just would, would have been nice I, I, I think at the time it was hard it was like people were struggling to get into the police force and mm. you know I think firefighting would have been an even harder struggle. Well, you know, at the end of the day, it is a film and they could have just put one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Put sure. female yeah, yeah. firefighters in there anyway. And, uh, you know, there might have been some criticism at the time. Yeah, but it, but it could have led, looking, it could have been a bit more, yeah. yeah it could have, looking you know, back 30 years on, yeah. if there's a lot of people coming up to Ron Howard saying, oh, you're the reason that I got into firefighting. Yeah, true. Imagine how great that would have no. been if a lot of them would have been women. Uh, but yeah, I, I did. I think the Jennifer Jason Lee and Re Rebecca De Mornay did do a good job in it with what little they had to do with it. Jennifer Jason Lee was Ron Howard's first choice for the role, and so much so that 
the producers actually worked the filming schedule around her schedule because she was already shooting another film at that time. So that might sort of play into maybe why her role isn't massively substantial, but still it did suffer from that. All being said and done though, it is an action film. It's about fire. And I think that overwhelmingly that is the bit that stays with you. I think Alex or Dave mentioned before that, yeah, you watch Backdraft and you remember those scenes. And if that's the one aim of the writer and the director is that you remember the fire scenes within this film and you remember the bravery of the heroics of the firefighters, then that's it, job done. Anyway, thank you, uh, me. <laughs> Dave, well this is going to be... Well done, Gab. That was no, yeah, thanks, well... thanks. Thanks, Gab. <laughs> um, so, Dave, this is going to be really interesting. Yeah. What is your genuine opinion on this? I, I had a lot of fond memories of Backdraft. I, again, like you guys, watched it years ago. Really enjoyed it. I was I was sorry to have to prosecute this one. And then I watched it with a critical head on and I wasn't joking. I was like, oh, oh, mm. there's a lot to talk about here. Yeah. My ammunition chamber is not going to be empty on this one. There's a lot going on that isn't right <laughs> yeah. with this film. A lot of it, I think you can chalk up to the time it was made. You know, it, it's a very good point we've made about Jennifer Jason Lee and Rebecca De Mornay basically being done dirty by this film. Uh, I think you can chalk it up to the time in which it was made there's a lot wrong with this film when you stop and think about it and when you start critiquing it my <laughs> advice would be don't stop and think about it or try and critique it at any point and you know what you will still enjoy backdraft i think you've made the right call ozzy i think it i think it belongs on the hit list for sure um you will remember like i said you remember these action sequences they will stay with you you will remember yeah. these action sequences and you know, like the also the tribute to America's firefighters that will also stay with you as well. You will forget about all the crap in between action sequences, and there's a lot of crap to forget. But you will forget about it. So in that regard, even though when you break it down, yeah, it's a pretty poor film. You will forget the bad bits, and you will remember the good bits. So in a way, I consider the film a success, and I think you've made the right call. Okay, well, I'll, I'll let you know what both. Katie and I think yeah. about that. Do not do not critique it. Do not overthink it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just enjoy. Okay, thank you very much, Dave. Higher or lower than our previous film on trial, which was Revenge of the Sith, which scored 79 and 66% critical and audience scores. I'm gonna say it's lower, but it's absurd that it's lower than Revenge of the Sith. So what was the what was the audience one there? 66. Or? 66 okay audience higher critical yeah. lower it must be higher than revenge of the sith people hated the first three well i'll tell you now dave's bang on the money it's it? uh, higher for audience 75 percent, and it's the exact same for critical as in it's 75 percent. so it's right. just a little bit off revenge of the sith anyway brilliant thank you very much for all your arguments guys thank you very much for your judging Austin, and thank you very much to everybody who has listened to this episode. We really do appreciate anybody taking the time out and listening to us all babbling on about films. If you want more Films on Trial content, check out filmsontrial.co.uk. You can check us out on all podcasting platforms and you can check us out on the socials as well at Film Trials on Twitter and Films on Trial on everything else. We are going to continue and conclude our guilty pleasures season in two weeks time when we put Austin's film on trial. And that film is the mighty ducks. So looking forward to <laughs> feel guilty. To watching that that out too, <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got very fond memories of it. I can't imagine it's actually that good, but 
I remember it so fondly that there must be a lot to have redeeming factors. Well, I mean, there is still time to back out now, Ozzy. If you never, ever watch it again, the film will always be a good film in your mind. If he's remembering the Mighty Ducks, who, know, <laughs> who knows what he's remembering when he's... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Be remember the Titans, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fly away home. It could be anything. <laughs> it could be anything. <laughs> so thank you very much, guys. What have we learned today? Well, we've learned that the firefighting Dalmatian in Paw Patrol is called Marshall. Uh, we've also learned that Kate Russell has never given a bad performance in a film. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree was... with that. Do you know what I mean? He's always put a lot of effort in. That's yeah. what I. You can, so I was you writing can count on Kurt Russell. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Price Reliable is what yeah. Goldie Hawn calls him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and uh, ultimately we have learned that Backdraft is on the hit list. And we're going to be directly in your ears in two weeks' time with the Mighty Mighty Ducks. Goodbye. No, I can I can do a quiz for the Mighty Ducks. Yep. Yep. Well, happy days. Or, uh, or duck formations. <laughs> Sold. I will start some serious boning on duck formations. <laughs> There's your fucking intro. Yeah. <laughs> just, just take, just take the formations, the formations off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>